1: My
2: 7 Chakras,
1: Episode 27. Be lucid, experiment and ponder. And what happens is that uh, that applies certainly to the physical reality where we're at right now. But especially the moment that we start having out-of-body experiences, something that we're always struggling with, I would say, or at least uh, trying to maintain as high as possible is our level of awareness, our lucidity. So this reminds me all the time, you know, of, uh, you know, trying to stay as aware as I can so as to be able to control myself, so as to be able to have the best experience that I have, so as to be able to extract as much Uh, juice information you know as i can from and then uh, to ponder it to consider it to evaluate it to analyze it to dissect it to a certain extent which in turn helps me to develop more lucidity more awareness better experiences better questions more awareness and it becomes sort of like a virtuous cycle (laughs) that just simply helps me to keep on uh, progressing
0: the seven chakras swirling vortices of energy
2: Good morning, listeners, AJ here, and you are listening to My 7 Chakras, a show where you get to listen to insights, advice, and tips on how to improve the quality of your life. And today, I am electrified to bring you a guest who is going to talk about something, in fact, one of the most exciting and intriguing topics that we have discussed on our show till date. And his name is Louis Minero. So, Lewis, are you ready to inspire?
1: Absolutely. Glad, glad to be here, Adi.
2: Wonderful. So, Lewis Minero has over 30 years of personal experiences with paranormal phenomena and out-of-body experiences, also known as OBEs. Lewis is president of the International Academy of Consciousness and author of the book Demystifying the Out-of-Body Experience. So, Luis, I've given our listeners a mini intro. So, take a minute and tell us more about yourself.
1: Sure, sure. I, um, you know, like you were saying, I, I have about thirty years of out of body experiences and different paranormal phenomena, and it's been about twenty years more or less since I started giving classes as well uh, to different people all over the world. I had the. The opportunity of learning a few languages, so i 've been fortunate enough to lecture you know in Australia all over Europe in South America, here in North America, of course, and uh, that also has helped quite a bit because it, it it has helped me to see what works with different cultures and um, you know how people can develop their skills a little bit faster and then besides that, you know um, I am a chemist uh, my actually my background is uh, more so of a conventional scientist. But naturally, you know, because I had the out of body experiences and the paranormal phenomena, I thought that that was a good mix, first of all, you know maintaining the awareness, discernment logic, but at the same time being able to to produce the phenomena myself, which I naturally see that is more relevant, more interesting, and it uh, gives us more possibilities than uh, just the conventional science
2: mm-hmm. well, thank you for that wonderful introduction. Now, Louis, I am sure you agree that thoughts are things and the right type of words can really inspire us to take action and create these new things and new experiences. So we usually begin our show with an inspirational quote. So Lewis, what is your favorite inspirational quote? And give us an example of how you apply this particular quote to your everyday life.
1: Yes, actually, uh, you know, one of the uh, slogans that uh, we have here and that I try to apply every day, uh, no doubt, it's, uh, you know, basically it says, be lucid, experiment and ponder. And what happens is that uh, that applies certainly to the physical reality where we're at right now, but especially the moment that we start having out-of-body experiences, something that we're always uh, struggling with, I would say, or at least uh, trying to maintain as high as possible is our level of awareness, our lucidity. So this reminds me all the time, you know, of, uh, you know, trying to stay as aware as I can so as to be able to control myself, so as to be able to have the best experience that I have, so as to be able to extract as much Uh, juice information you know as i can from it and then uh, to ponder it to consider it to evaluate it to analyze it to dissect it to a certain extent which in turn helps me to develop more lucidity more awareness better experiences better questions more awareness and it becomes sort of like a virtuous cycle (laughs) that just simply helps me to keep on uh, progressing
2: Mm -hmm. did you say be lucid experiment
1: yes and ponder yes
2: Oh, wonderful, wonderful. Uh, one thing come, comes to my mind when I hear this particular statement is for our listeners. So listeners, today we're going to talk about a breakthrough phenomena, something you might have never heard about before. So it's really uh, important that whenever you hear something new, to just be lucid, be a little flexible to new thoughts, new concept and new ideas, experiment and ponder. So thanks for sharing that.
1: Yes, no, thank you. That's, that's also a good, uh, <laughs> a good interpretation of it. They can apply to so many things. Absolutely.
2: So Louis, do you like spending time in the mountains once in a while? Once in a
1: while, yes. I definitely like uh, nature
2: and, you know, hiking. Wonderful. So let's imagine that you are at a health conference held somewhere among the beautiful mountains and one of the attendees asks you, Louis, what is the main focus at this point in your life, what would you tell them?
1: I would tell them to try to help people to develop their skills. Uh, and by skills, I mean specifically their, their, the ability to connect with the different dimensions. You know? So the out-of-party experience, this is uh, certainly a big part of what, of what we do, you know, or, of what I do, to give classes to try to help people to develop their, their own abilities to have out-of-party experiences simply because of the uh, spiritual growth and the benefits that come, uh, that's, that come with it. So um, that, that certainly would be my answer. <laughs> Hopefully, the person would be very interested after that.
2: <laughs> wonderful, wonderful. I like that you mentioned that you help people to develop their own abilities to see those benefits. And benefits is what we're going to discuss about in a short while. But before that, let's move on to a topic that is really integral to are show, which are the chakras. Now I know that you've worked closely with chakras and that you've written about them, I think in one of the chapters in your book, demystifying the out of body experience. So could you tell us a little bit
1: about the significance of chakras in your practice? Yes, absolutely. You know, what we observe is that, uh, you know, we have different, different bodies, which, of course, have been reported in the literature already in many by many ideologies, by many schools of thought. So we have the physical body, then we have the energetic body or or etheric body that is the one that has the chakras, and then we have the astral body or the psychosoma, which is the one that does the out-of-body experiences. So the energy body, that is the one that has the chakras, is the one that connects the physical body to the psychosoma or to the non-physical body. And then that body basically holds the key towards having the out-of-body experiences because if the energy body is a little bit looser or more flexible, then controlling the disconnection becomes uh, easier. Controlling the, the separation from the body becomes much easier. And for that, the chakras and really the entire Energetic system needs to be in better shape, needs to be in good condition, so to speak. So the energetic system in the chakras become very relevant because the healthier they are, the you know the the in best condition that they are, the the easier is going to be for the person to start to produce its own out of body experiences.
2: Well, thanks for that explanation. And from what you say, it seems as if the chakras are pretty integral to your practice because you speak about three types of bodies. One is the energetic body, the physical, and then the non-physical, which actually creates those experiences. And only if you're able to maintain a healthy energetic system would we be able to facilitate that
1: those out-of-body experiences or those OBEs. Am I correct? Yes, to a certain extent, yes. Or I, I would say, you know, that the healthier they are, the easier it's going to be to have them. The, the better condition they are, the easier it's going to be to have them. And, and I say that also because, unfortunately, especially, I would say, more in Western civilizations, mm-hmm. since the information of chakras and of energies is not that well known, Unfortunately, most people don't uh, worry themselves about them. They don't concern themselves about these energy centers, and what ends up happening with time, you know, with the months and with the years, is that those energy centers and that energy system becomes a little bit more, maybe like unflexible or like rigid. Uh, maybe the better term in English might be it's like rusty, and then we need to do sort of like. A, energetic or chakra practice you know so as to recover the functionality the flexibility the elasticity of this uh, of this energy center so as to be able to produce the so that the out-of-body experience will be easier
2: mm-hmm. so let's dive right into our main topic for today a topic that in my opinion is not discussed as much as it should by uh, mainstream media which is obe or out-of-body Experiences. So,
1: Louis, what exactly is an OBE? Yeah, an out of body experience happens uh, most of the times for most people when they are sleeping. When they are sleeping, they are able to regain their awareness outside their body. Usually, they, they regain it already while they are outside. But the out of body experience is basically a separation from the physical body in which you maintain, um, again, your level of awareness, your level of consciousness, your your memories, everything. A, a very common question is, you know, what is the difference be- between the dreams or even a lucid dream and an out of body experience? Really, the difference is the level of awareness, again, the level of lucidity. When you are in a classical, typical out of body experience, you find yourself as aware as we are right now, you know, even for the listeners to. To have something to rely on. You know, if at this moment I were to sort of like jokingly ask, you know, are you dreaming this show or are you aware listening to that show? And, (laughs) you know, I'm I'm sure that, or I hope that everybody's going to say that they are aware and conscious listening to the show. And we understand very quickly that there is a difference between dreaming and, you know, being aware and being awake. Mm -hmm. So when, when you are outside the body, also at the very experiential level, you realize this is not a dream. I am as aware, as lucid, as clear-headed, as, you know, conscious as as I am when I am, you know, inside my body. So the person can disconnect, can separate from the physical body, can have experiences, can, uh, you know, the astral body has very different characteristics. It can go through walls. The person can learn, can have observations outside the body, and then it comes back into the body, and we can bring this information back into the physical brain, remember it in um, in essence we had an out of body experience wow so what you said
2: was regaining awareness while a person is outside the body that's what an obe is and it usually uh, in most cases happens while a person is asleep
1: yes okay
2: okay and one of the main things that sort of sets the obe apart is the fact that you're highly aware of things that are happening around you now i know you touched on lucid dreaming but i've heard three topics that are you know spoken about a lot in this space one is lucid dreaming then you have the out-of-body experience and then you have astr- astral projection so could you clarify a bit uh, the difference between these three
1: yes uh, between lucid dreaming out-of-body experience and astral projection you mean exactly yes okay so the the, the lucid dreaming you can be very aware certainly you can be very also clear minded and everything in an out of, in a lucid dream sorry the difference between lucid dream and the astral travel uh, and out of body experience is that in the lucid dream you are still the one producing the dream, so you control the environment uh, pretty much a hundred percent. So, for example, if I am in a lucid dream and I am dreaming that I am right now in my in my desk and looking at my desktop, and I decide that I want to dream with being in Hawaii, the entire reality of my desk and of my um, office here disappears, and Hawaii. Because I am the one that is creating, you know, the, the dream or the the story, so to speak. While in an astral travel or in an out-of-body experience, I, the reality that I am observing or what I am observing, I should say, is real and I am not the one creating it. So, it, it, it again, is very similar to the physical reality. At this moment that I am aware and awake, that I am looking at my desk, as much as I wish my desk to go away and for Hawaii to appear, <laughs> unfortunately, <laughs> Hawaii just doesn't appear because the reality is independent of me. Mm-hmm. It's external to me. I, I am not the one necessarily that is, you know, um, creating the story, so to speak. So the the out-of-body experience or the astral travel, you know, is uh, different from the lucid dream in that regard. You know, it's, a, it's an experience that is you know, external to us to a certain extent. That's why sometimes we people use the, the word. It's an objective reality. Mm-hmm. So something independent to a certain extent of of us, and not subjective like the dream is. That uh, the subject, us, we would be the ones producing it. Now I know in many many instances people use the term astral travel. Yes. Sometimes they use out of body experiences. Sometimes. They are referring basically to the same thing For certain uh, how could I say authors or in certain schools of thought they 're really referring to the same thing, but I know there are other schools of thought that they make a distinction between between astral travel and out of body experience, and the distinction sometimes is more than anything the the where you 're going when you're having when you 're disconnected from the body, so sometimes some people say you go sort of like to the astral planes, which would be Closer or closer to the physical reality, or lower in some sense, or you can have a full out of body experience in which now you're going further away from the more dense uh, realities. But in essence, both of them are this disconnection from the from the body in which you are aware, conscious, lucid. You know, sometimes uh, you know just to give a little details, you know, for for listeners to to see the difference, you know. Many times, or or we could consider, you know, when we're dreaming, how many times we have been able to remember, let's say, our phone number or Facebook password. More than likely, we don't. We have never remembered that. But in an out-of-party experience, you remember it very clearly. Meaning, just to give the example that, again, we are very clear-minded, it's us, you know, our, our personality, our knowledge, our memories, so to speak.
2: Mm -hmm. Well, thanks for clarifying the difference between these three terms. And from what you're saying, it it seems that uh, in lucid dreaming, you can change the things around you. Uh, Like the example that you shared about Hawaii. Yes, You're at your desk, you have a lucid dream, and all of a sudden, in a moment, you're already in Hawaii. But that might not be possible in an OBE or an astral projection because uh, the things around you
1: are very real. In the latter two uh, experiences yes, to a certain extent, and actually in an out party experience, you can go to Hawaii very quickly that that for sure can happen, but you you realize and you decided, let me go to Hawaii and you, you, you can even see yourself to a certain extent moving quickly through space, but in the lucid dream you don 't necessarily need to to dream that you went there you know as, as in the verb to go and to for there to be a you know, distance covered and a translocation, I don't know. But really just the reality simply changes quickly. As Sometimes when we change channels on the TV that, you know, we didn't move from the couch, but all of a sudden we are already observing a different reality. So even though in the of party experience that, the, you know, going to other places can be very quick, you decided to go, you realized that you went and that you moved through through space in order to get there so to speak which by the way outside the body you can go to other places almost to any place very quick like i'm explaining but if you decide that you can go Slower. Mm-hmm. You can fly to Hawaii. You know, at this moment, I'm on the West Coast uh, here in California. So I can decide to fly mm-hmm. by very slowly to Hawaii, you know, so as to overlook the ocean and to see the Pacific Ocean all the way down there. And instead of taking a few seconds, I can take, if I want, you know, uh, five minutes, ten minutes and just take in the sights, so to speak. So you can control even the speed of uh how fast you get to different places.
2: Wow, all of this seems really exciting. Uh, and based on what you said, dreams have a significant effect on a person's life. And especially after movies, such as Inception, people are discussing these topics more openly, face-to-face, on forums, and even on social media. Yeah. So sometimes dreams appear so real that you can't tell whether you're dreaming or you're awake. So my question to you is, what is your definition of a dream and what role do dreams play in the evolution of our consciousness?
1: Yes, you know, in, in essence, you, you, what, what you're saying is absolutely correct in the practice, you know, sometimes in the definitions, like like you were asking me before, it seems like such a defined thing, you know, uh, the dream and the out-of-body experience, like there shouldn't be any mixture, right? Mm-hmm. But in mm-hmm. the practice, of course, we all feel them and I'm sure many of the listeners have noticed that sometimes we're having experiences in which it seems that part of it is the dream and part of it is the out-of-party experience, or part of it is a reality that uh, it's it's just simply not a dream, so to speak. And by the way, from the dream, we can have also out-of-party experiences, even trying to help the listeners, you know, with other ideas. If you've ever had a dream in which instead of... And I'm going to use the term dream, right? At this moment, I'm classifying it as a dream. If instead of... Or we're trying to fly, and instead of fully flying and going upwards and, you know, uh, picking up altitude and everything and flying far, sometimes we start sort of like jumping, like over two houses or over a tree or over a hill. Mm-hmm. And and we just sort of like are still giving these huge jumps, so to speak. Sometimes we have those types of dreams, again calling them dreams, or sometimes we have these dreams in which we're trying to fly, and instead of also picking up altitude, we are sort of like swimming or struggling to advance like at ground level, you know, for mm-hmm. some reason like breaststroke. <laughs> yeah. These types of dreams, what I can say is even though they look very dreamlike, they, more, more often than not, the person is outside their body. And what happens is in those dreams is that, uh, you know, relating this to the chakras and to the energies that we were discussing before, when we have an out-of-body experience, sometimes we take a lot of the dense energy of the etheric body of the energy system with us, and then we're very heavy, we're, or we're a little bit more loaded. And then the moment that we try to fly outside the body, instead of, you know, gravity still makes an effect, and then instead of fully flying, we start, we start giving these big jumps, And at the same time, because we are very loaded with energy, our level of awareness is less, and then the entire experience feels dreamlike. Sometimes people say, I felt like I was in slow motion trying to move through the air in slow motion. And this is because they are normally loaded with with energies. What is interesting is, you know, I, I certainly went through this uh, experience, but many of the students that, uh, you know from our classes, they develop well their out-of-body experiences, and now they're outside the body, aware, clear. And what is it that we see? You see somebody else passing by, sometimes jumping, or swimming at ground level because they are having their own, you know, dream-like experience, but in essence, they are disconnected from their physical body. This usually gives us a little bit of a chuckle <laughs> the moment that it's happening because we realize oh, all those other times in which I was the one, you know, in this, uh, these jumps. So, it's not, you know... Sometimes both uh, states, I guess, in our in our own perception, get confused. And sometimes, really, we are perceiving certain elements of the of the OBE of, that are more real, that are more independent, and we are perceiving, you know, elements of the dream at the same time that are, to a certain extent, we could say, our head is projecting. So, certainly, in the practice, these intermediary levels, let's put it this way, occur. The ideal, of course, is to try to develop more awareness so as to you know, leave behind, so to speak, all the aspects of the dream and, uh, you know, just stay with the out-of-body experience, which is, uh, you know, again, a, a reality that is, first of all, independent from you, but also now you have more awareness to analyze, to, you know, explore, to to decide to go to different places and come back, et cetera, et cetera.
2: So there you go, listeners, you might have had an OBE in the past and sometimes... Already, yes. <laughs> yeah, you might not be able to fly. You're hopping, but you're not able to take flight. It may mean that you are, you haven't gained that awareness, or you absorb so much energy around you, and that's why you feel heavy and you're you're not able to take flight. Uh, and it's great, Louis, that you clarified the difference between a dream and actually an OBE. Because an OBE, as you, as you pointed out, it may stem from a de- dream. But once it happens, it is more real. It's it's not a dream anymore, but things around you are real. And like you mentioned, you can actually see other people who might be having uh, OBEs as well, uh, but who may have not uh, gained that much amount of awareness for them to actually take flight. So they're still in that process. So does this improve with practice? It, It seems like it does.
1: Yes, indeed, it does. Uh, What what we see is like, um, it. it certainly practice improves it, you know, like anything in our life. Mm -hmm. The more we practice it, the better we become at it. Yes, for sure. Mm -hmm.
2: Now, when topics such as OBE or astral projection are discussed about in public, the immediate reaction that some people give is, you know what, I'm not a spiritual person, or I don't believe in all these things. Or sometimes they say... What is the scientific proof behind this? So, my question to you: Could you talk to us a little about the science or the research behind OBs or the out-of-body experience?
1: Yes, yes, absolutely. You know, and, and 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 we try to, I guess, to approach the topic of out-of-body experiences from both those perspectives. One is maybe the one we were discussing, the more experiential training type of a perspective, which I would say most people are interested in. You know, in developing again their own skills so as to them to have them and then be able to have the benefits and then also the approach of more science and of the research and maybe even trying to provide more conventional data i would say you know to try to you know understand what the mechanism and what is happening with the OBE more and then we have several different activities you know designed for that um, and we are doing several several different research. So, for example, one of them is an activity that we call the projective field, which in essence is you know um, fifty, sixty of our students and several of our instructors. We go to a big hotel, and we lie down there in a ballroom, and we are they, them in that room. They are trying to have out of body experiences, and then another wing in another corner of the hotel. There is another little room that has a a computer that is going to generate a random image and it's just simply going to display it in the screen. Now that little room is locked and outside the little room there is an auditor, somebody that uh, is not affiliated with IAC, with our own institution, the International Academy of Consciousness. And then that person, usually is a journalist or usually is a college professor, you know, somebody with some authority, is just simply there to certify that nobody physically went into the room to see the image so that there that there was no fraud, so to speak, right? Yeah. <laughs> there was no artifact. And then the people from the ballroom, they have to leave their body. They have to go to the little room. They have to see the image. They have to come back, and they have to, you know, write a report. And then this all of these pieces of paper are taken to the auditor who signs it, you know, attesting, I guess, to the fact that he saw all of those pieces of paper before opening the door. And then the door is open, and then you confirm, and you see, you know, how the— the perception outside the body worked and, you know, who who was able to perceive it. Obviously, many people in those experiments, they very honestly, they say, look, I just simply didn't leave my body. I didn't see anything. And that's, of course, absolutely fine. You know, it doesn't mm-hmm. happen all the time that that you want to. But we have already had success with that, you know, uh, with, with co- again, collecting data and, you know, with uh, people seeing the image that was there on the screen at that moment, And uh, describing it, some people, even besides just simply describing it, they decide to draw it, you know, to draw the picture of what it is. And, you know, and, and another thing that is interesting is that the participants, they haven't seen the possible images before. And the computer, I, I just know because I know the programmer, mm-hmm. has a database of about 500 images, but even I have never seen them. So the image could be anything. You know, it could be the image of a cartoon, let's say, of a SpongeBob SquarePants, or it can be the image of the Golden Gate Bridge, or it can be the image of space, or it can be just simply the corner of a desk. So in essence, it can be, you know... <laughs> almost uh, an endless amount of images, uh, it could be anything. So it's not like when you have, you know, only five possibilities and then the percentage is 20% of, you know, hitting the right target. But it's almost, uh, the calculation of the possibility is almost endless. That also is interesting to see how certain people, you know, in certain, in some of those experiences, they hit exactly the the right target. So that is that is one of them. Of course. Mm-hmm. We do also other research, for example, you know, talking about the energies and the chakras. A colleague, a good friend of mine, a colleague of ours, you know, he has been doing a lot of research with, uh, I don't know how much listeners are going to be familiar with this, with functional MRI. Mm-hmm. Uh, but probably people are familiar with the MRIs in a medical setting. You know, when you have uh, somebody has maybe like a tumor or something, they bring you or into into this machine that it makes such a big noise and it's a big magnet. True. And uh, they take a, a picture of the inside of your body, you know, uh, in essence. So uh, there is also the functional MRI. It's a little bit different from the medical MRI, uh, just simply because it, it uh, records the activity inside the body, the really, the it more than anything, takes pictures or captures the activity of the blood circulating through our body when it's oxygenated, after it went through our lungs, and when already is, you know, without oxygen, uh, once it already went through the body and it's returning to the lungs. So, in essence, because we have, you know, veins and arteries all over our body, we are basically capturing a picture of the inside of our body almost up to the most minute, you know, Uh, nook and cranny of our physical body, the most minute corner of our physical body. So while under the functional MRI, my colleague, Wagner Allegretti, actually, you know, he does several energetic practices. He exteriorizes. He also has the idea of trying to produce an out-of-body experience at that moment so that the functional MRI can, how could I say, record, you know, what is Mm. happening in that moment that you realize it's, it's, it's a very different state. Yeah. Than just simply, you know, um, being passive or sleeping or just or being awake at this moment, and you realize how all of these are different states. For example, one thing is meditation. Uh, you know, with all of its benefits in and of itself. Another thing is out of body experience. Another thing is dreaming. Another thing is being awake. So, all of the things, of course, are are interesting and worth worthy of study, naturally. So, uh, one of the interesting things in that uh, MRI experiments is not only that you see activity in the body that is different, especially in the brain that is different. But the MRI starts to capture things. So it seems that it starts to capture things outside of the body, mm-hmm. activity outside of the body, which, of course, for that machine, in theory, it would not be possible because that machine can only capture biological things. And outside of our head, there is air, there is nitrogen, there is oxygen. There, You know, it, it, it shouldn't, this machine shouldn't capture anything beyond the limits of our physical body. Mm-hmm. True. Yet, yet it does you know we have the images. You know, uh, and even you know we we tell the story that one of the technicians' colleagues, you know, radiologist that was there, you know, uh, doing the experiments. He his first reaction when he saw those images and you know uh, effects outside of the outside of the head. He said, "Look, now you guys broke my machine. <laughs> Something happened yeah. here that is unexplainable. You don't need a doctor anymore." You need a physicist. Yeah. <laughs> Bring whomever, you know. They actually even calibrated the machine several times as we were doing the experiments because the results were so outside the norm of what they are used to seeing, of course. So, uh, as, as well, you know, trying to provide their, you know, conventional data, another, another one of these uh, research lines, I would say. No, it's
2: really unbelievable and amazing to know that there is so much research, so many studies uh, actually conducted in this space now, Lewis, you're currently the president of the International Academy of Consciousness. You're a thought leader, a keynote speaker, and a world renowned author as well. So what were you doing before you began actually actively spreading
1: the message of OBE? I began giving classes actually fairly early. I, I was 23 years old when I started. I was even in my last uh, years of college at that time. Uh, so I I would say most of my adult, active, productive life has been... You know, uh, I have been involved in this type of a, in this type of an activity, again, because you see the benefits, you see the potential, and, and you see how people, you know, improve themselves and have a better quality of life, you know, uh, when they develop that. But before I was studying chemistry, and um, naturally I had my out-of-party experiences when I was a teenager, um, that I didn't quite understand. There was a moment in which really I, that the first ones that I had, I had no idea, you know what what was their name uh, if everybody did them if nobody did them you know if there were techniques if there was research i to me actually it was when i had them it was the most natural phenomena or activity mm-hmm. you know that i that i had seen it really it really seemed to me like the way dreams seem to other people you know just uh, another dream you know something else So it it, it didn't even catch my attention at the beginning. It wasn't until much later that I started to realize, you know, because the first one, I was about 12. But it it wasn't until a few years later that I started to realize that not everybody spoke about this other type of, you know, activity. Mm -hmm. Actually, I had this conversation with a classmate of mine when I was 17 who had the out-of-body experiences. But for him, they were, they would scare him. So they were very scary for him. So I remember we, we had this conversation, you know, a long conversation for about a half an hour in the cafeteria. And once we finished our conversation, you know, it was the middle of lunch, basically. And we were so focused into the conversation into one another that, that once we finished, and I remember I turned around to look at the rest of the people in the table, everybody had been quiet for that entire half an hour, and they were looking <laughs> at us like, what are you two guys talking about? Yeah. <laughs> Where did this come from? You know, what have you been, you know, drinking or smoking? I don't know, really that that was their true true their reaction and really I you know, my, my first reaction was, what? This doesn't happen to you guys? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because exactly. for me it was really so common, so just simply normal. And then of course that helped me to understand that it didn't happen to to everybody. Uh, or at least not with the with the level of awareness that it was happening to me, or the level of frequency. So I went and told my my parents. My mother had already heard of it, and she was the one who bought me actually the first book that had a small reference on on out of body experience, um, and then uh, that the author called the astral travel actually. And uh, and then from there, of course, I started trying to read more books and to understand it because I, I noticed that it was something different, of course, that I wanted to at least have a little bit of a handle on. And then by the time I, you know, joined or met my my friends here of IEC, the, the, again, the International Academy of Consciousness, they had already pulled so much more information, you know, um, regarding, the, regarding techniques, regarding how to do it, uh, you know, what happens, etc. So, of course, I contributed uh, at the beginning some with my experiences, but at the, at the beginning, it was more than, more than anything me learning from... Uh, from the pool of information that they already had.
2: I'm so amazed that uh, about your story. When you said that you and your friend were talking about your experiences, the stories and about OBE in particular and the entire cafeteria, (laughs) all the people went silent and probably were glued into your conversation and what you were discussing. And it's true. I feel to a great extent uh, while people initially dismiss a topic like this, they really want to know more about OBEs, about astral projection, about lucid dreaming because it's so exciting and it, I believe it has so much potential for the future uh, of a person's health, both mentally, physically and, and spiritually as well. So moving to our next topic, let's assume a person listening to the show right now has decided to learn more about OBEs. What are certain benefits that this person could obtain from getting trained in OBE is now, if you could break them down, the benefits, into short term
1: and then the long term basis. In the short term, I would say, you know, um, the, the works with energy or the exercises with energy. Uh, and when I say energy, I mean bioenergy, chi, prana, ki, vital energy, orgone. If, if some listeners have read about Reich, so um, this this type of energy, so um, not not the electricity, <laughs> but the, you know this more vital bioenergy, so to speak. So the exercises with bioenergy certainly are going to help us healthwise. I like very much the synonym of vital energies because it's the the energetic system, the etheric body, you know, the chakras, all of this is what vitalizes the physical body and gives us our vitality, our you know our our strength, so to speak, to our motivation, our will you know, that helps us to execute things in in day to day. So certain physical health will be, will be one of them. And and this one many times comes a little bit, uh, a little bit faster in the short term. Also in the short term with the exercises on, on bioenergy that are also a training for living the body. Our level of awareness increases. We control better stress. We control better uh, our own emotions. You know, we stabilize ourselves a little bit more now, In in more in the long term, we start to see, I would say, more the spiritual benefits or the evolutionary benefits in the sense of personal development. For example, when people have out-of-body experiences, they they have usually different types of objectives. For some individuals, some of the main benefits is they want to lose, for example, the fear of death. Because they realize in an out-of-body experience, here I am existing independently of the physical body. So whenever I go through this transition, hopefully for all of us, you know, once we reach 100 at least, you know, but whenever I go through that transition, I realize I'm going to continue existing the way I am right now. So the person realizes that in the practice, by its own experience. So it's not something that somebody else said or that we read somewhere else. But I am here living this state so that helps tremendously for the person now there is even a line of psychology that explains this next point a little better sometimes us humans, most of us, we tend to have you know, little phobias, small insecurities, some fears some of them not so little actually that originate from this basic fear the fear of death, the fear of dying and when people lose the fear of death all of these other things also have no reason for existing And then also the the benefit is that the person becomes much more open, spontaneous, confident, authentic. And all of these things are very hard to measure. You know, I always tell some of my colleagues, you know, how do you measure confidence in a person? That's so true. (laughs) Yes, or authenticity. You know, how do you measure whether she's more authentic or not? You know, we don't even have a unit. (laughs) <laughs> for measuring that sure. so, so, but the person itself realizes I am a lot more effective, authentic, grounded, confident, you know from that moment onwards, because I was able to lose the fear of death, so that that naturally is a very big benefit now, going to the more non physical benefits, I guess the person several people also want to leave their body because they want to find relatives of theirs that already passed away sort of like to check that they are okay something that is certainly very you know it's feasible outside the body other people they want to find these other individuals outside the body who are more more developed, benign, positive, and they want to help us. And we have given them a lot of names, you know, beings of light, masters, illuminated beings, spirit guides, angels, you know. Circling outside the body, you can find these individuals and you can consult things with them, which uh, as well helps us, you know, for the process of spiritual growth, of, you know, deeper spiritual growth, I should say. I, I would even say only only these types of experiences with these individuals are already worth it, you know, beyond everything else that uh, we have been discussing and that we will still discuss. But these ones certainly are some of the most interesting uh, experiences uh, for, for individuals. Now another very big benefit, uh, I certainly don't want to leave it out, is that uh, when we have out-of-body experiences, we can gather information. About what is our life task or our life purpose? Purpose, okay. Yes. You know, what, what we see is that many people before being born, they plan their main projects, their main tasks, their main lessons, the main realizations that they want to accomplish. Mm-hmm. And then when we have out of body experience, we can find this information of, in essence, what was it that we decided for ourselves, what was our initial intention the reason why we decided to come into this physical life in the first place. And then this also you see when people, you know, are able to get this information, they come back with a greater sense of purpose uh, with regards to their life. They want to execute things and accomplish and, you know, produce and also usually much more motivated, to use your word from the beginning, much more inspired about, uh, about life, you know, about what we want to accomplish. So that as well is a very big big and very practical type of a benefit.
2: Well, it's obvious that there are a huge number of benefits from learning about OBEs, physical, mental, spiritual. And as you mentioned, it also helps you identify your purpose in life, the reason for which you are here on this earth. Now, you mentioned that one of your friends early on uh, was a bit scared after having these OBE experiences. So are there certain things a person needs to keep in mind before getting trained in OB?
1: Yes, I would say generally speaking, it would be good to to get a little bit more information about it. You know, a, a book like my book uh, mm-hmm. or classes that would, that would be very useful because what happens is that, you know, living our physical life naturally, we become very used to the physical reality, which mm-hmm. works in a very specific way. And then when we start having out-of-body experiences and we're going to a different reality or a different friend dimension the other realities they work differently and we just simply have forgotten how they work and we are not used to them so what happens is that um, you know because they are sort of like new experiences our normal reaction Or the normal reaction of certain people is a little bit of hesitation, of fear, like, what is this? What is happening to me? Mm -hmm. But, you know, when when we have the information, when we have, um, you know, read a little bit more about it, maybe taken in a couple of classes, then, you know, we understand why these things happen. You know, the level of anxiety or of fear diminishes. The level of, in essence, of unknowingness diminishes because now we know it a little bit better and then the person goes with a lot more confidence into the experience you know okay this might happen if i feel this sensation and i can do this and i can do that and then it becomes a lot um, a lot easier so uh, my my friend i think that after a few things that i mentioned to him hopefully you know he uh, <laughs> he was able to overcome there his fear he he actually was afraid of something that is very common you know maybe several of the listeners have already experienced this which people popularly like to call of the sleep paralysis. Mm-hmm. When you in the middle of the night uh, or sometimes, uh, you know, while falling asleep or waking up, you know, you feel that you cannot move your physical body, that you're completely still. And it takes you maybe like 20 seconds or so until 20, 30 seconds, you know, until you regain the control over your physical body. But at that moment and during those 20, 30 seconds, you know, We feel like trapped. We feel like we cannot control physical body, like we cannot breathe. Like uh, some people actually conclude at that moment, look, I died. (laughs) And of course, Mm -hmm. this only, you know, (laughs) makes them panic even more. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And also, by the way, I know that I'm here very nonchalantly saying 20, 30 seconds. But I know because I remember a couple of times when I felt it when I was a teenager, I know that those 30 seconds for the person at that moment feels like an eternity. True. That you are struggling to get your, you know, the control of, of your physical body back. So I, so I understand the, 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 you know, the reaction that that causes, you know, on people. But once you, you know, um, understand why the, you know, event happens and how to control it and everything, it can even become, you know, one of the easiest states from which to have an out of body experience. And then instead of becoming a source of fear, let's put it this way, or of blocking ourselves, it becomes a source of motivation. Actually, the, the, the last times that I felt it, because I already understood very well how to, you know, work through it, you know, my reaction the moment that I realized that I was in the state was, okay, great. So it means today I'm going to have an out-of-party experience. So it, it had already, you know, the reaction had already made this 180-degree turn, From being something that would terrify me to something that was, you know, very inspiring, again, very motivating, that would allow me to to go further. Mm -hmm.
2: So you actually shared an example of when you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change as well. Yes. So just how you look at it. And listeners, uh, I think at the end of the day, information empowers you. So there are a huge number of benefits of getting into OBE or learning more about it. But it's really important to go to websites, go to forums and learn more about OBEs and learn from the credible sources, sources that you can trust people who have dedicated their lives to such a practice. And uh, I know from a fact that Luis Minero has a lot of resources on his website. Uh, And for that uh, website, we're going to share the links later on in the show. So hang on there. We're going to share the domain and the link Pretty soon, now, Louis. At this stage of our show, I usually ask our guests for one health tip, something simple and small that a person can try immediately to improve his or her health. So, what is that one health tip that you could share with us?
1: One health tip, you know, I, I want to try to give them, or let me give them here, you know, one that is a little bit more energetic in nature and that can help with the with the chakras, with the energy system, and eventually even with the out of party experience. We call it the vilo. What, the, what you do is almost as if you were going to do a meditation, you know, you instead of meditating, you're going to focus on yourself and you're going to start to try to run your energies, your bio energies inside of you, your vital energies from the head to the feet, from the feet to the head, to the feet, to the head, to the feet. And you're going to start to feel this warmness or, you know, magnetic sensation or tingling sensation running through your body as you're trying to do this. And as you, you know, this running of the energies up and down is going to help, again, with the flexibility of your energetic system, with putting it in better condition, it'll have the ability to vitalize your physical body more, and if you're able to intensify more this uh, vilo, this up and down motion, uh, Vilo is just a technical name, but this up and down motion, then also it can become a technique for having out-of-body experiences. This usually takes a, a little bit longer, but just the 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 up and down motion is already going to help uh, health-wise quite a bit.
2: Well, thanks a lot for that health tip. I'm sure a lot of people will find benefit from practicing before actually getting into OBS. So... Henry David Thoreau once said, not until we are lost, do we begin to understand ourselves. And this is going to be the central theme for the next phase of our show, which is all about a major challenge or a learning moment. So Lewis, tell us about a time when you faced a major challenge or barrier. Take us to that very moment. Tell us what you were feeling at that particular instant, and then how did you approach that challenge?
1: You know, just to have something very very relatable, again, even the, 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 the sleep paralysis that I was mentioning right now, the first couple of times that I remember feeling it, uh, I really didn't know what it was because it, it started to happen to me a little bit before I had this conversation that I was saying with my friend. So I had already had a few out-of-body experiences before, but I hadn't had this sensation, in essence, and uh, I remember at the beginning thinking it felt as if something had broken inside of me. I, I, I don't know why I had this this sensation uh, inside. And also during the, the first couple of times, the fact that I couldn't control it, that I was, you know, completely disconnected from the ability to move the physical body was was a little bit strange, actually, it was very strange i I, I felt on one of them actually scared, but i didn 't know one that it was fully related to the out of body experience and i didn 't know where really it came from. how come it happened. It happened in the middle of the night for me certainly it was it was a little strange now. what ended up happening is that on on, on one of those occasions. I remember this uh, book on the library, even. I think that this is, I don't mean to scare anybody here, but, uh, you know, there are several books that are classics in in the out-of-party experience literature, and there is this one from the 20s from Oliver Fox. And what was interesting is that he he would say how the moment that he was having an out-of-party experience, he would feel as if there was somebody biting the back of his neck, and breathing down his neck. And I remember thinking, and this was about the time that I had this sleep paralysis condition, and I remember thinking, if, if I ever have this sensation, you know, that's <laughs> it. <laughs> I am not going any further. I'm going to go play baseball or soccer, and I'm not going to try <laughs> to do anything else. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but what is interesting is, as he keeps on going through his book, later on in the later chapters, he describes that what he thought was somebody else biting the back of his neck and breathing down his neck, what he was feeling was actually his own physical body. That was, he was disconnecting, he was basically listening to the breathing of his physical body that was behind him, and he was feeling the energetic connection of the energies connecting to the back of his neck in his astral body or his uh, emotional body, his psychosoma, and this was the sensation that he was misinterpreting as somebody else biting my neck and breathing down my neck. And and that uh, sort of like gave me a little bit of hope, I guess, so, uh, to the point to which, uh, that, you know, maybe a few weeks later when I felt again the sleep paralysis, I said, okay, let me try to see if maybe my interpretation here and the way I'm it, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's the wrong one. Let me first of all try to calm down, which, by the way, it felt to me like it took me a while. To try to calm down and not to react with the same level of concern or of uh, panic, you know, that I had the, on the first occasions, and and when I calmed down, there was a, I had this um, sort of like a dresser next to my bed, and for some reason I looked in the direction of the dresser, and the moment that I looked in the direction of the dresser. It was almost as if I wanted to go to the dresser. And I realized that I basically slid outside my body with such a in such an easy condition that I was already outside, uh, basically standing next to the dresser. And to a certain extent, in a very experiential fashion, just because I had calmed down, it helped me to, to see that the, from that state, it was easy to have an out-of-body experience. Mm-hmm. The main thing was to try to control this this fear because you are in a state that is completely new to you yeah. and of course you're, you're reacting like uh, what is going on but if if we're able to calm down a very big if i have seen some people that it takes them maybe not the first time but two or three times but eventually they do if we're able to do it then afterwards really it becomes a, a state from which we have out of party experiences it becomes very easy to deal with so uh, but you have to first of all sort of like um in a very literal sense conquer the demons inside of you because really nothing is happening outside and it's not a negative thing it's just the control of yourself inside of yourself and if we calm ourselves down then you know the the next step starts
2: so looking back now what is that one major life lesson you would want our listeners to take away from your story
1: oh well i would say from this one certainly you know Conquering our demons, you know, trying to stay uh, in control of our own emotions and not to let the moment, you know, overwhelm us, so to speak. From from this one, this would be the, you know, the, 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 main, the main aspect there.
2: Thanks a lot for sharing your story with us. I know going back to a moment when you experienced a challenge is never easy, but our listeners now have one more reason not to give up during a moment of challenge. And with that, we are moving on to the next portion of our show, which is all about finding your true calling or your true purpose. So listeners, the truth of the matter is that the darkest hour of the night comes just before dawn, the dawn of finding your true calling. So my question to you, Lewis, is have you found your calling? And if yes, what is your calling?
1: (laughs) Yes, I would say uh, certainly, you know, teaching and, you know, helping people to develop their out of party experiences that I was mentioning at the beginning is what i'm uh, one of my main main purposes here that the, the thing that I'm here to do uh, i say that even just to try to add a little bit of context i guess to back the information here you know also at the Iac we are all volunteers actually so as you mentioned that you know uh, I'm the president of the of the institution globally but from the You know, newest volunteer who maybe for some reason doesn't, you know, just or for some reason helps us, let's say, with a half an hour a week to, you know, some people like myself who are maybe involved 50, 60 hours a week into this. We all do it on a volunteer basis because we see the the benefits that come to people. So, you know, uh, certainly it's a completely different logic, I would say, (laughs) because, you know, for conventional people, they would say, look how can that be? You know, how, why are you not producing money? (laughs) Because that's many times the more conventional logic, right? And of course, I have nothing against, you know, producing funds, let's put it this way. But if you can, you know, simply I have found a way of organizing my life so as to be able to dedicate more time into my true calling. So I do it with, um, you know, with pleasure. So indeed, it is. It is this condition of helping people to to develop their own skills. And you know, you also used a very good word that I use many times. It's basically empowering them. Because, of course, at the beginning, maybe we have to take some classes. There is some guidance. You know, uh, that is that might be good. That might be very useful. But the idea is at the end for the person itself to be able to produce its own uh experiences to be able to walk on its two feet to be able to run you know, with its own two feet and actually in this case to be able to fly <laughs> by itself so um that's that's uh, certainly our, our our goal and my mission my my objective
2: well thanks a lot for sharing and that is indeed inspiring so we have finally come to an end we have reached The final round, which is called the wisdom round, where I will ask you a series of questions and you will respond with nuggets of wisdom, just like in a rapid fire round. The results of this round are loads of actionable insights for our listeners to get inspired and take action right away. So, Lewis, are you ready?
1: I guess I am.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. (laughs) What is the best advice you have ever received?
1: The best advice I have ever received. I think it's to try to, to, to assist, to help, you know, uh, as many people as possible without, uh, you know, prejudging them. These this weren't the exact words, but this, this was basically the meaning, you know, to, to help other people, to uh, contribute with other people, to worry about other people without prejudging them.
2: Now, we know that great habits can change your life. So if you had to recommend a personal habit that contributes to your well-being, what would it be?
1: Oh, I would. I would go back to the to the Vilo technique that I was mentioning for sure. That one uh, is something that helps you to stay aware, to stay conscious, to stay in control, and at the same time, you know, um, health wise, as we were describing, you know, it it, it uh, makes your day be much more productive and makes you even be more in the moment as you are, you know, dealing with different situations and with different. Uh, with different people as well, with different activities. Mm-hmm.
2: So, Luis, describe the first two hours of your day. What is your morning ritual like?
1: Well, <laughs> that's that's the <laughs> that's the hardest question because I am I'm not a morning person. I am a night person. <laughs> but uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, when when I when I wake up, certainly I I I do my practice. I I try to do my practice uh, in the morning so as to get going. And by practice, I mean you know the the the, the Vilo that I was describing. Uh, before the up and down motion, I try to have a very good breakfast if if possible, and um, and then I either usually go to work, go to um, you know to the IEC to volunteer, to answer emails, and to you know uh, already deal with activities, organizations, and different things. So my the first two hours of my day look a little bit more more like that. I, I would say the night is a little more interesting because it's usually when I am either doing my practices. Or even in the middle of the night, sometimes I wake up in the middle of the night to do some of my practices. But the morning is uh, uh, one, two energy exercises that uh, tend to be fairly fairly quick and uh, enough for me to to get going and then I go.
2: <laughs> Wonderful. So finding and reading the right book can truly be life-changing. If you could recommend one book that changed your life, what would it be?
1: That fully changed my life? Hmm. You know, for me, things ten- te- had the tendency to happen very gradual. So there wasn't this very big change. But hmm probably one of the better books, you know, that I would, I would recommend is uh, hmm, maybe probably Robert Monroe's uh, Journeys Outside the Body. I would, I, I would recommend that one.
2: Well, thanks for sharing. Listeners, you can find links to all the resources that we talk about in the show note. So, Louis, chatting with you today was amazing. Not only for me, but I'm sure for the thousands of co-creators who are listening to this episode right now. Before we go, tell us one thing that you're really grateful for today. Tell us the best way we can find you. And then we'll say goodbye.
1: Well, first of all, I have to say that I'm very, very grateful for this interview. You know, here in California, this started at 10, so I have just I had breakfast and then the the interview here. But um, certainly very, very grateful because you, in essence, you, you help us fulfill to a certain extent, you know, our, our our purpose, which is basically to disseminate this information to as many interested people as we can. So certainly very, very grateful for, for it. Now, where people can contact us, probably the best site might be the, the the site of my book where also there are links to, you know, the different cities where we give classes and even online classes for people all over the world. So the the website would be learnobes.com. So learnobes.com. .com. And then um, not only is there information there about the book, uh, naturally you saw in the, in the last question I couldn't recommend my own book. It would look <laughs> too strange. But um, uh, certainly there is uh, you know, information there about the book that has a lot of, of info on the out-of-body experiences. But also people can find links there to the different cities all over the world where we give classes and uh, you know, where they can access more, more resources. So the com website would be, would be the the portal, I would say. <laughs> the first step.
2: Mm-hmm. So there you go, listeners. What we discussed today was, I believe, just the tip of the iceberg. And there's so much more to learn, so much more to uh, get to know, and so many examples, I'm sure. So if you want to learn more about OBEs, head on over to l e a r n o b e s Dot com and then you can find the book called Demystifying the Out-of-Body Experience, download it and begin your journey today itself. So, Lewis, thank you for rocking the show today, sharing your wisdom and taking our listeners one step closer to a human revolution.
1: Thank you so much. My pleasure.
0: You are listening to My 7 Chakras. Go to my S-E-V-E-N, Chakras.com. Download your free gift, get inspired and take action. Transform your life today.